The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, and I'll just read one verse, and this is so familiar that I don't even need to read it and could only just reference it tonight, but I will do so as we enter into this message that I feel that God has placed upon my heart for this time and this season. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight from this subject. Fight and don't ever give up. Fight and don't ever give up. Turn to a few people around you and speak that into their spirit tonight. Tell them, fight. Don't ever give up. God bless you. You can be seated. We're thankful for our guests that are here tonight. If somebody hasn't already said that, I want to ensure that you know that we're honored to have you here. We have um, most all of the Harshbarger clan that is home tonight, and we're really glad to have them back in town on this holiday weekend. Glad they could be worshiping with us tonight. Amen. We have some uh, young ladies that have visited us a couple of times before uh, from Illinois, and we're glad that you folks are with us and worshiping with us tonight. Amen. All of our guests that are here, we are glad you are here. I should have never started naming names or I, uh, I always leave somebody out and certainly don't want to offend anyone. I heard Cameron clear his throat over here and wanted, me to, rem- wanted to remind me that he has a young lady with him from Seymour. And uh, we're glad to have her with us tonight as well. All of you, if there's a guest sitting next to you, reach over and tell them, welcome to the house of the Lord tonight. We live in a different world that I grew up in. I grew up in a different society altogether. I want to say that uh, before I get too far into this message tonight, that how I feel on the inside is a lot different than what I see when I look in the mirror. I... When, when I'm at a conference and they ask for all the young ministers to stand, I stand. Until I look around and realize, oops, I think I missed the mark. And I forget sometimes that um, um, time has a way of telling on us. And the gray hair has a way of speaking for itself. We live in a different world than the one that I grew up in. I grew up in a world where the church was reverenced, where ministry was respected, where God, whether you be in the church or not in the church, there were certain lines that would be drawn even from the world that they would not cross the line when it came to things of the Lord. I grew up in a time when some of our young people are not even going to understand this, and this is why I qualify it tonight, but I grew up in a time when somebody said, what religion are you? I didn't have to qualify or say that I'm Christian. 
Instead, rather, we talked about our denomination. And when somebody said, what religion are you? I would tell them I am apostolic Pentecostal. And they understood exactly what I meant. We live in a different day where there are so many religions and so many philosophies and even those in the Christian world that are now declaring popular voices that are saying there are many ways to get to God. We are in a different world. And in this world in which we live, I want to speak tonight that we are at a season where our faith is going to be tried. I have paid attention to social media over the last few days as well as many of you have. I have followed many different news sources keeping uh, close tabs on the events of society and where we are as a people and in the world. It has been nearly appalling to me as I have watched people who even claim to be of the same faith and the same denomination that have absolutely stood in opposition of those who have stood according to their faith and what they feel is important. I stand here tonight to tell you that I didn't come to draw straws or to talk on details tonight of convictions. We all should have convictions. Convictions are those things which, those policies that we have adapted into our life, that we have chosen to live by. Our faith are based upon them. And the way we feel about life and about God and about the church and about reputation and about morality and about ethics are all based upon this thing that I refer to tonight as convictions. There are things that I choose to do, not because I can take you to black and white and show you that I believe that the Bible emphatically says if I do not do them, that I will split the pit. But rather, I choose to do them because they are a conviction that I feel is pleasing unto the Lord. I try to be careful not to cross lines in preaching convictions. There are things I choose not to do, and I choose not to do them, not because I believe that they are a heaven or hell issue, but rather because they are a conviction that I have established in my life a long time ago. They are a policy or a principle that I have adopted and I have chosen to live by. And I have chosen to declare that this is my line and I will not go beyond it. Can I speak to our young people in the house tonight that if you have not established some convictions in your life in regards to where you will go and what you will do and the kind of music you'll listen to and the kind of movies that you'll watch or won't watch or how far you'll go, and you know what I'm talking about. And what you'll do and the kind of language you'll use and the kind of friends that you hang out with. If you have not established some convictions in your life, I want to challenge you tonight to establish some principles by which you are choosing to live. 
and say, while nobody's making me do this, this is a conviction that I have established into my life and I refuse to cross this line no matter who it upsets, who it pleases or displeases. There are universal convictions that the church must establish. There are some convictions that we must establish based on principles of the Word of God. There are things that people are going to say the Bible is silent on issues while it may be silent on the issue at hand. It is definitely not silent on some issues that we have established and chosen to live by. The principle is there and the principle is clear and the principle shows up as a thread and a weave throughout all of the scripture and we stand upon those things. There are some things that are clear in black and white that the church has chosen to stand upon and put in our foundational doctrines. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There is but one faith, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Jesus Christ is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There are some things that are just black and white. There are some principles that we have established. And there are some convictions that we have established. And whether it is in doctrine by word in the scripture. Whether it is universal convictions that is taught by the church. Whether it is just house rules. Some things we have established as a church. And I believe that every church has a right to establish some things in the church. That says as a church body we are choosing to stand here. And this is what we're going to do as a church and where we're going to stand. Another church may feel different about it. Another pastor may feel different. But there are some things that I believe we have a right to establish and say for the platform, this is what we're going to ask. For leadership, this is what we're going to ask. For Sunday school teachers, this is what we're going to ask. And so I believe that those things are right and in order. And I believe we need to establish them into our life. And then there, there are those personal convictions that I began speaking speaking about tonight that I believe that every child of God must put into their life and must adapt into their life and declare no matter what anybody else does I am establishing them as principles in the word of God and once we have established them as convictions we must never go back on those convictions Now what I'm trying to say to you tonight is some things that I've learned over the course of time in my long years of living, young people. I have learned that a lot of people can claim convictions, but the test of a conviction actually is answered when when, uh, the opportunity to violate that conviction actually occurs or exists. And at that point, when a person establishes that they will not cross the line of a conviction, conviction that they have established in their life. At that point, if they if they pass the test of conviction, then indeed it is in all reality a conviction that they have established. When somebody says, I will not cross the line, and they don't cross that line no matter what peer pressure says, society says, who rules what says, no matter I refuse to cross that line, then you have established it as 
and absolute conviction in your life. That means I am willing to die for whatever that conviction is in my life. I'm talking about establishing some things in our lives that will say it doesn't matter what the world does, what the judicial system does, it doesn't matter what society does or even what other people in the church choose to do. As for me and my house, this is a conviction that I have established and I am willing to die for that conviction. Somebody give the Lord praise. So my question for you tonight is are you willing to fight for your conviction? I didn't come tonight to draw straws or to battle swords with you over what is a conviction. You should establish them in your own life. Heads of households should establish convictions in your home. If every conviction established in your home comes from the pulpit, there is a problem in home leadership. Well, I didn't intend to get so bold tonight, but I came to tell you that every head of household needs to establish convictions in your home that may not be house rules or may not be pastor's orders or may not be something that is preached from the pulpit. But as for me and my house, we have chosen to live by this rule in our house. And we must never give up. But we live in a society of permissiveness to where anything goes and everything is tolerated. And the Christian world today is being pushed and forced to remain silent and to not speak up. All you have to do is hop on social media and give some sort of a word that is contrary to society. And get ready for the fight of your life. If you have many connections at all, I have to be very, very careful. I, I don't know how it happened. I don't think I know that many people. But I have a lot of connections th- through social media. And it seems that uh, I choose most of the time to not say a whole lot. And I try, try to be very calculated and careful when I do make statements. Not because I'm fearful, but because I don't like... Uh, my, my name to be attached with certain arguments. And it seems like most every word that is spoken gets challenged, either publicly or privately. This is a crazy world that we live in today. Things that used to be very simple, very cut and dry, have become very complicated through arguments. We live in a day of permissiveness, a day of do what you feel like doing, and nobody is going to tell me what to do, where to stand, or how to stand. But can I tell you, child of God, that we are living in the last days. And the, and the prophecies of Scripture are being fulfilled right before our very own eyes. And as I have looked at the events of the last few days in our world, I have reached a conclusion that many people who 
declare themselves to be born again, born again Christians, born again apostolics, blood-bought people, have reached a point in their life and, and in, in, in the church to where they have began to sympathize with unbelievers and sympathize with abominations and sympathize because of their connections. I realize the subject matter at hand is very sensitive for it strikes a chord in many of our homes and families. And I treat this subject with great respect tonight. And I come very carefully as I approach this subject tonight. But it doesn't matter how sensitive it may be in our home and in our family and how precious that our loved ones may be to us. We still must establish convictions and declare thus saith the word of God and declare I am willing to die for my convictions. We've got to be willing to fight and never give up. Now how we fight is interesting because there's a lot of good that is done in wrong ways. A lot of good intentions that are done in wrong manners. People intend to do good, but they simply don't know how to handle situations. I've known people very close to me that truly loved but didn't know how to show love. And in their attempt to show love and show concern, uh, they made a mess out of it. I don't know about you, but some days it seems like that I will open my mouth to change feet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When what you said the day before, you feel like, man, I just put my foot in my mouth and today I'm going to open it and get it out and you only discover, Lord, have mercy in trying to fix what I did yesterday. I ended up just changing feet. Uh, we, we all have those kind of days. We all have those kind of situations. Uh, how we fight must be very carefully calculated and prayer covered. Somebody today mentioned to me, said, I chose rather not to respond to a particular text message. Wise choice. There are some things that are just better left alone. There are some things just better left unsaid. There are some things that we're better off just not even to attempt to step into. Brother Mooney used to say to me often, he would say, Brother Jordan, pick your battles wisely. Over and again, he would drive to, into, my, into my head, pick your battles wisely. Don't get caught in to everything. Every invitation to a fight doesn't mean that you have to show up. Just because somebody tries to call you out doesn't mean that you have to show up and respond. You can respond calculated or you can remain silent and choose uh, where you're going to stand and how you're going to stand. However, may I say that the passiveness of Christianity over the last hundred years has perhaps brought us to a point where a very vocal minority has begun to take control of America and the world. And if we're not very, very careful, we will remain silent and we will be outnumbered 
by a minority. I come tonight to declare to you, people of God, you good God-fearing people, that it is time that we take a stand as a people and declare that I am going to live by the Word of God. And it doesn't matter what the world is going to do. I'm going to put my feet on the ground and be willing to suffer for Christ rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Look at your neighbor and tell him fight and don't ever give up. Brother Jordan, why would you call the church to fight? Because the scripture calls us to fight. Because if we don't fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, we will fail and we will fail miserably. As the people of God, we are living in a very difficult day. What we have seen is only the tip of the iceberg. It is only the beginning. When tonight as we sit and worship, there are good apostolic people that are incarcerated over an issue that they should never have been incarcerated over. No matter which side you stand on or how you feel, the issue is that my understanding from the sources of religious leaders that have handed down to me that Miss Davis or Sister Davis, if I may call her that, did not refuse to sell or provide marriage license. The issue in her county, in her state, at the bottom of the marriage license The clerk is required to sign her name stating that she approves of this marriage. Her words were through her attorney and through the religious leaders passed on to uh, pastors and ministers. Uh, The details and the report that comes back that said she is willing to provide a marriage license and to record a marriage license. Her request is that she does not have to sign her name on the bottom stating that she approves of this union. She asked the judge that chose to incarcerate her if he would be willing since he was able to sign the letter that the statement at the bottom in her stead rather he chose to incarcerate her and in an interview his statement I was told was that he is attempting to re-educate the American people. Ladies and gentlemen, religious liberties are at stake. Next, where will we go? What will happen? Who will be next? It is only a matter of time that churches will perhaps lose their tax-exempt status. At this point, it is probable that in the future, and I speak completely of what I think and what I feel, and this is completely undocumented, but I, I fear that in the near future, we will see churches lose their taxation status. Secondly, churches or ministers will be required, and it already is in certain states required, that ministers file with the state in order to be able to perform wedding ceremonies. 
at the point that the minister signs the, the document to be able to legally perform wedding ceremonies, he then will be answerable to the state on whether or not he will perform what type of marriage ceremony. This is a fearful day in which we live. There is much more to what is going on in the world than what meets the eye. While we are arguing over tidbits of what should happen or shouldn't happen, first of all, remember that this sweet lady was elected to a position to serve her community before the Supreme Court handed down an order for her to sell and approve of these licenses. She has now no recourse other than to resign from her position. And resigning from her position because of this situation, of course, then comes into an issue of her religious freedoms being violated. Now, I speak all of this to you tonight because, not because I plan to make the trip to Kentucky on Tuesday as perhaps tens of thousands of people will go and support and I wish them well. I am not called to be an activist. I'm called to be an evangelist. I am not called to go and to do such things. If you want to go, that's great. If you want to send support, that's great. If you want to send money, that's great. You do whatever you feel to do. But as for me and my house, I'm, I'm preparing for what is going to happen in the very near future. It was only a matter of time. We all saw the handwriting on the wall. We began to talk about it when the Supreme Court uh, was, was chosen a few years ago. We could back it all the way up prior to the election when we began to declare, pay attention people to the decisions that are being made in America. We have some very critical Supreme Court decisions that are going to be made. Who is appointed is very, very important. The wrong people were appointed. Now, now five people that are very liberal now make a decision to be able to step over while they don't want a freedom of one particular person to be violated they now violate the freedom of another individual that is called a Christian it seems that we are losing our rights and our freedom left and right this is not a political rally by the way this is a Jesus name apostolic church that I'm preaching to tonight and I don't intend to turn this into a political message. But I'm coming tonight with a direct word from the Lord to you in this house tonight to understand where we are in God's great timetable. And if there ever has been a time that the people of God are going to have to unite, stick together in prayer and fasting and consecration, and when we're going to have to stand together and know what we believe and why we believe it, it is today. I'm going to tell you there is a about to be a great weeding that is going to happen in Christianity and there is no room in this day and age for weak watered down religion it is going to be those they may call me a fanatic but call me a fanatic if I may I gotta stand on the word of God and stand with God's people and preach the truth without fear or favor of man Somebody came to me and said this church is the target of a, of a particular group. Somebody else came to me and said, you, pastor, are a target for a particular group. 
certain city leaders are a target from a particular group. What are you going to do about it? Preach the truth. I'm going to fight and never give up. I said I'm going to fight and never give up. What's the church going to do? We're going to fight and never give up. Are we going to fight blindfolded? Absolutely not. We're going to live with our eyes wide open. But I'm going to tell you I've never seen a time when the church came under attack, when leadership has come under attack like we have today. But I come to tell you at the greatest moment of attack, at the greatest moment of persecution, study your history books. The church has always prevailed and the church has always risen to the occasion. I come tonight to declare to the church we got to be willing to fight and to not give up. What would you do if it were you? Would you be willing to stand on your convictions? This past week, there was an order that went forth that if the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned in certain Muslim-led countries, That if somebody even reports that his name was spoken, that they will be killed in the streets in front of people by ISIS. What would you do if it were you? This is not a message of gloom and doom. This is a message of conviction. This is a message of where do you stand? And are you willing to fight for what you believe? Are you willing to stand and fight until death for what you believe? Some wonder how men of old in the Old Testament would willingly walk into the extreme hazards of ancient war and ancient battle. The situations and the settings of war were hazardous. They were gruesome. They were undesirable. Why would those men of ancient times willingly put their lives in harm's way? It was certainly not the novelty of war. They didn't have the convenience of our day. Ancient war was brutal. There was no conveniences such as we have today. There were no rules. There were no war crimes. There was no immediate calls for backup. It was every man for himself. These men were obviously not in a battle because of the novelty of driving a tank or flying a jet or launching a missile. It was not a battle of a great recruiting program and catchy phrases or a great payday at the end of the month with good benefits. Ancient war was a gruesome drama that defies description. Most of these men fought hand to hand. They were so close to their enemy that they could literally smell the breath of their foe as they engaged in the deadly struggle called war. The very nature of these epic battles offered only misery and risk. The close quarters put every man in the peril of being stabbed, impaled, dismembered, and ultimately killed. Ancient warfare was brutal. Few of those who died in battle were fortunate enough to die an instant death. But most of the wounded 
would die a slow, cruel, and painful death. The struggle, the blood, the sweat, and the gruesome drama of war couldn't possibly be something that would have been enjoyed by anyone. Yet these men would wade into battle with their teeth clenched and their weapons clashing until their hands were covered with blood and torn blisters with nothing more than a promise of misery and peril. I would pose this question to you tonight. Why did the warriors even bother to show up? Why did they put their lives in such peril? Why did these men fight so fiercely? What was the motive? What motivated them to walk into battle so willingly? May I remind you that in those days, it was ordinary people just like you and just like me. It was ordinary families. They didn't relish the idea of participating in war. I'm sure they had that hollow feeling in the pit of their stomach. I'm sure they wondered if they would make it back to see their families. They might even have suppressed the urge to turn around and to run. In spite of all of these things, I can tell you that they fought so fiercely and so selfishly because in that day, surrender was worse than defeat. I want the church to understand something tonight. That I have no fear who is going to win the battle in the church. What I fear are how many that are in the church that are going to surrender. The enemy would not show any mercy to those who surrendered. Surrender sealed their fate. When one historian said in those days, war was total, and if if a territory was conquered, a city taken, whatever belonged to the victor, the men, the women, the children, their goods and their property was all taken captive. History records that able-bodied men and women captured in war could be taken as the captor's own slaves or to be sold as slaves. The rest were considered useless and slaughtered in cold blood. Ordinary people just like you and I face the ugly horror of battle because their homes, their families, and their communities were too precious for them to give away through surrender. What I am impressing upon you tonight, you good precious people, that it is not who is going to win the battle, but it is as if you have a made up mind that you are willing to fight and to never give up. Why don't somebody declare tonight, I'll never give up. There's no hope in surrender. Your fate will be sealed in surrender. you got to make up in your mind that no matter what the devil does, what the world does, what society does, or what the courts may rule, the people of God must stand upon one thing, and that is the Word of God. Are you willing to make this the principle of your life and to stand and to never give up?
I can see a father strapping his gear on with a grim face. His future uncertain. Not knowing what tomorrow's going to look like or whether he will even see tomorrow. I could see him headed out to battle. There's only one reason. Because he wasn't going to see his sons beaten and his daughters abused and entire families chained and enslaved and the prize coveted treasures of his home taken from him and everything that remained destroyed and taken away because in those days there was no United Nations, no investigative war crimes, no atrocities against humanity. There was no such things as shaking hand with the enemy and walking away on agreeable terms. Spiritually, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in such a day. There's never been a day quite like today. There's never been a time quite like this that we live in. Someone is going to be the conqueror and someone is going to be the devastated prize at the mercy of the victor. That meant the loser shall be owned and become the conquerors. For this reason, surrender had no hope in it. Only fighting the war held the possibility for a family. They were not just fighting for their honor and for their country, but they were fighting for their very existence and the existence of their family. I believe the church, and I talk as a church as a whole, we are in such a battle tonight. It is not a flesh and blood battle. It's much deeper than that. It's for the souls of our family and the souls of our community. And I know that it's easy for you and I to grow weary in a battle. I know that it could be easy just to give up. It would be easier just to allow the strong current of the world to carry you away. But I'm here tonight to tell you that there is no hope in surrender. Whether you like it or not, if you're in the church, you have been called into the battle. You've been called into God's great army. I wonder tonight if there are any people that are members of Christian Life Church that is made up in their mind that no matter what comes against the church, I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight. No matter what comes against the church, no matter what comes against my family, I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight until the end. Denying, denying that there is a battle doesn't change the reality. Trying to escape it is futile. There is a battle, and the battle is for your souls. Hell doesn't have a vacation on schedule. The enemy will throw everything that he's got at you. And believe me, he's working overtime. Beware, Isaiah declared. Hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Hell had a building program in anticipation of those that are going to give up in the fight. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter, be sober. It's a good thing to do. 
Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, there's the, there's the culprit. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye suffered a while, maketh you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. <laughs> there is good news. As long as you don't surrender, there is hope of eternal glory. God hasn't forgotten the church. God hasn't forgotten you in the battle. Heaven is waiting those that stay in the fight. John said he saw the, high, the sights of heaven and there were walls of jasper and precious stones and gates of pearl. He goes on and he said there was a city that hath no need of the sun neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it and the Lamb is the light thereof. Hey, I come tonight to tell you that we have a hope that is not in this world as long as we don't surrender there's no time to be complacent there's no time to look to the left or to the right when loved ones are slipping out of the grip of their convictions this is serious business this is life or death heaven or hell it's not a tour it's for eternity and this battle is for everything there'll be no prisoners no mercy that's why surrender is not an option for the church. There's no hope in surrender. Why don't you just give up and give in and do what you're being asked or told to do? Because I have a conviction that I cannot violate because to me, it is an issue of heaven or hell. How many of us have those kind of convictions established in our life that we say it cannot be violated? We are in a battle. Hear me tonight. You can't escape the struggle. There's no hope if you surrender. And you cannot exempt yourself from the struggle. You don't have a choice. There's no other option. Fight or become the spoils of war. We have to be willing to, to, to endure the discomfort of battle and face our enemy because our walk with God is too precious to simply give it away. My family is too precious to surrender to the forces of hell. 
we have become way too passive in the church. And we have taught passivity until we have become a silent people. And at the last election, 22% of evangelical Christians even showed up to vote. And then we gripe and complain. God, forgive us for praying your will to be done and not doing your will. But I must say, ladies and gentlemen, that we are not in this battle alone. And we are not in this battle without weapons. And we are not in this battle without any direction. For the Apostle Paul said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh-huh. Well, pastor, what are you talking about? Because I came tonight to remind you that as a church we have a sword. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the Word of God will get the results that you are looking for every time. The Word of God is the incorruptible seed, meaning that it cannot be destroyed. Nothing can destroy it because it is incorruptible. It cannot be denied. It cannot be destroyed. And I move a little further to tell you that we not only have a sword, but ladies and gentlemen, we have a name. And that name is above every name. The word declares that the devil trembles at the sound of the name of Jesus. It is a name when invoked in baptism that sin stains are removed. It's a name that I call upon when I don't have anywhere else to turn. It's a name that has healing, that has power, that has overcoming strength. It is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody lift up the name of Jesus. I've read the back of the book. We win because greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. Come on, church. You're not, oh, you, oh, Pastor, I, you, you frightened me tonight. You've told me we're living in the last days and we don't know what is going to happen. I'm going to tell you what Isaiah said in the Old Testament for the New Testament church. He said, No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. I came tonight to declare to the church through prayer, through fasting, through the Word of God, through worship, through our faith, through our testimony that no weapon is going to form against us and prosper. The one that's going to be in trouble in these last days is going to be the one that's not sold out. Because we're living in a day of a weeding. And those who have never really believed this message is going to be revealed in how they respond when the test comes to their house. So my question for you tonight is are you really sold out? 
Do you know that you know that you know? And do you know what you know? And have you made up your mind that no matter what the enemy throws at you, that you're going to stand strong in the Word of God? You can only do it, ladies and gentlemen, if you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. If you have never, if you're not full of the Holy Ghost, and I mean full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about, well, I went to a meeting one night 20 years ago and got a little touch of heaven. But if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you will not be able to stand in these last days. You must have, you must have an overflowing experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if it's been a while since you've been filled, you need to come tonight and get refilled. And if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight, I'm preaching to you because you need to come tonight and you need to repent of your sins. We have water ready. You can be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the Bible said. And if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you can be filled tonight right here where you are. And you can get on the team. You can get in the battle with us tonight. You can get your sword tonight. You can be ready to fight in the battle in these last days when the enemy comes. If you you are not sure that you're ready to fight in the battle tonight I want to open these altars to you right now and you need to be just moving forward right now because it's time that you that you know that you know that you know heads are bowed eyes are closed I'll make it as easy as possible for us tonight if you're here tonight and you're not just 100% sure that you're ready I open these altars to you first and I call for you to come forward tonight Repent of your sins and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're here tonight and you're not walking in true faith and you're not walking real steadfast and you're vacillating in your walk with the Lord, I'll open these altars to you tonight. If you would like to just come forward and say, I'm making up my mind tonight that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get sold out. I'm going to put my feet on the ground and I'm going to live according to the Word of God. I know this calls people out tonight. Or maybe you're here tonight and you you just want to let the devil know that I have a made-up mind. That I'm going to get in this battle and I'm going to fight until I hear him say, well done. I open these altars for you tonight. If you want to make a statement of your faith tonight and let the enemy know, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand in these evil days. When I've done all I can do to stand, I'm going to just keep standing. I'm going to just keep standing. Look at this response. In your face, enemy. In your face, devil. There's some people at Christian Life Church that's made up their mind they're going to stand. Come on, join us, everybody. I know there's not room for everybody to get here in the front, but press your way. As many as can, come forward. Get out in the aisle. Just make a response tonight. Let the enemy know. Gonna hinder me, nothing's gonna silence me, shut it out. 